Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody here. Good morning to those who are watching online. Welcome to Genesis. As you can see, things are a little bit different this morning. We're going to have a conversation between Randy, Brian, and myself about some of the things we've been talking about, and hopefully uh, we can get a contribution from some of you who are here. We're definitely going to have more conversation afterwards. Uh, For those who are watching online, we want to have your voice in this, and it's hard to when you're on that side of the TV set or computer screen. Um, And so I encourage you to come and participate uh, if you can. Uh, Your voice matters. Remember uh, early on the both the early church and even before that in the Hebrew synagogues, the scriptures were never wrestled with just individually. It was wrestled with community in the community collectively. And, and so we get more insight. And you might think, oh, well, I don't, you know, study the Bible or I don't know as much as other people, but you live in a world where these things affect you and your experiences shape the conversation. And it's important that that voice is heard because if our faith isn't able to live in the world that we are living in, then it's going to become dull and it's going to become something that becomes a labor where if it's something that is engaging with our lives, where we're at in the circumstances we're experiencing, then it becomes powerful, becomes dynamic and active. And so your voice matters. All that to say that we would appreciate your input in these things. And we're trying to figure out ways to do that more. It's difficult with a camera here to, you know, we're not going to do a Phil Donahue thing. Is that like aging myself? Like, who's (laughs) Phil Donahue? (laughs) <laughs> but if I said Jerry Springer, everyone would know, right? Um, <laughs> and so we want to have a way where we can involve people but still do this on camera. Um, so we're thinking through some things at least. Uh, but anyway, let's pause, let's pray, and we'll get started this morning. Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to gather and to ponder, to lean into you and to try and experience what you are doing through scripture and in our lives. God, I pray that you would bless our time together, the conversation that is to be had. May this dialogue be something that is helpful to those who are here and those who are listening. We entrust these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
A couple of things before we get started. Uh, reminder uh, that it is your gifts that allow us to stay here, keep the lights on. Um, they have raised our rent uh, this for the year. Um, just to let you guys know, it was $100 more a month, and that's for uh, both places. Um, and so as that happens, we want to, again, pause and kind of reflect how we want to use our space. Definitely aren't using it as much as we want to, and so we want to be more constructive in the things that we do. We are using it. We have some great things happening, but we'd like to be effective with the things that we're doing. So I'd mention that to you just to let you guys know that your money is going to these places, keeping the lights on. The kids are over there uh, right now, and we want to do more, and we need to keep the lights on for those things to happen. Um, also, I wanted to let you know that many of you know Père Genot from Haiti. Uh, his mother passed away. And so I don't know all the circumstances, but we want to be praying for him, his family, as they're going through this difficult time. Uh, he's a, a, just a beautiful soul, and so we want to be praying for him and the family at that time. In fact, let's pause and let's pray now. Father, you know how dear Jeannot is to our hearts and his family. And so we pray for him, Lord, at this time as they are experiencing this loss. Lord, our hearts go out to them, and we are grieved with him. And we pray that you would give him strength, peace, and the comfort of those who are there around him. And may he feel our love from this distant place as he is someone who we care about and love. We entrust them to you, Lord, in these times. And we ask these things again in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Well, this morning, I'm going to invite uh, Brian and Randy to come on up. I think we mentioned it. I mentioned it last week. Um, and the previous two weeks, uh, Brian and Randy shared uh, some things, and they both shared. I don't. Did you guys talk to each other about what you were going to share? No. no. no? So it was kind of interesting because they both shared about their faith experience and what's being called uh, deconstruction. And I thought, well, that's interesting that they shared those things, and I've been kind of talking about those things. And so I thought it might be good to have, uh, what do you call it, an emporium? Is this what that is? An, uh, anyway, this little conversation, uh, or roundtable, or Comic-Con. Um, so I wanted to have this conversation, and I just want you guys to know I'm on a lower chair, that I am short, but I'm shorter than usual because of that. You know, the term deconstruction, it's not one I'm really fond of because I, I feel it's moving in the wrong direction. I think reconstruction or evolution or auditing are more accurate to my experience. But I wanted to talk about it because there's a lot of people who might hear things and like, what the heck are we talking about? And 
if I were to give it an idea is if you are doing work, if I'm going to do some construction, say, at my house and I'm going to put in some new kitchen cabinets, I've got to take down the old ones before I can put up the new ones. I have to change some things so that I can make the progress go forward. And that's something that's been happening with me and my faith and my understanding of Scripture. An example would be, you know, in Jesus' Uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There was a time when seek first the kingdom of God meant go to church, pray, and study my Bible. That's what it meant. Looking at scripture and having different understanding of what I think was being written there, the kingdom of God becomes something more than going to church, praying, and studying the Bible. It becomes a way of living my life as if God's kingdom was present. And so Jesus would say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Living as if the kingdom was here so that I could make a difference in the world that is here that I'm living in. And so now it means a whole lot more. And then the word righteousness can actually be translated justice, which when Jesus is talking at the beginning of the sermon, he's talking about helping those who are in need. So think about the difference that scripture is from seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to living in this presence of the kingdom and bringing the justice of that kingdom present. It means something totally different. I think it means something that is more accurate to what was being presented at the time. And so you could label that a deconstruction. I'm taking down some of what I thought and presenting it with some of the things that I think now are more accurate. Okay, And and so that's a a small picture of of what deconstruction is, but a lot of it is going to have to do, in my opinion, you guys can chime in on this, with how we see and interpret the scripture. Would you guys agree to that? Yes. Yes. No, no, hold on. They're they're, They're working back there. uh, (laughs) If you could see what we see right now. Yeah, that stool and Rick were not made for each other. Um, Is his mic on? (laughs) Okay. Man, that was funny. Okay. So I think a lot of it has to do with how we understand Scripture. Do you agree? I I agree, yes. (laughs) And um, I I think that... I mean, I, I told... We had kind of a sidebar, but I told these guys, like, I... You know, for me, faith has had lots of dimensions over the years, like for for all of us. Um, uh, but I I was Catholic for a long time, and then I left that for a an evangelical church, and um, was was all in both times. Served, you know, I was I was paid by the Archdiocese of Los Angeles for a while, and then I was a youth pastor and a, and a worship leader, and eventually an assistant pastor, and then a pastor. And for me, like, kind of in that, you know, the first part of my life, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, to my shame, and I don't, I don't take all my Catholic brothers and sisters down with me, but I really rarely cracked open the scriptures because it was already interpreted for me, and I wasn't even supposed to do any kind of interpretation on my own. So what was fed to me is what I bought. 
I know that uh, in my life, including my mother, who is a Catholic, uh, she reads scriptures and she reads books on theology all the time. So I'm saying I was not a good Catholic. <laughs> but when I became an evangelical, then it became like, this is what you do. You read the scriptures, you study the scriptures. I went to Bible college. I did all that stuff. And what the framework was then, um, and you guys might not have had the same experience, but the framework for me was the Bible has to be true and accurate in every instance, or it's not worth anything. If, there, if you can find a crack in the armor, so to speak, then it's worthless, because then it's probably not true. That's, that's the framework. So then you have to go, well, I have to make this work then, right? I have to make this work because I want to believe this. And so then what I was, I think I referred to it when I was up here, but like that kind of intellectual gymnastics that you have to do to make some of those things work. Whereas, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying we throw the scriptures out because I, I love the scriptures. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm saying that, that holding on so tightly that you can't see a mistake in it or you can't call out a contradiction, I think that's been the biggest detriment to my growth. Hmm. So what do you guys think? What's your experience with that? I think to second Sam's comment saying I, I don't like the word deconstruction, I think it's, it's kind of, like you say, going backwards. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go back to what you said. But I also believe that deconstruction can happen in every like, facet of like life. Um, I try to pair everything with what I know, which is like basketball and art. And so if I think about like basketball as a deconstruction and I'm, me and my friends are literally staring at um, tape or plays of our last game and we're trying to be better than last game, trying to understand the way we're moving, um, what, what we did wrong. If we're not, I think honestly deconstruction or critical thinking or moving towards um, deeper understanding has something to do, it's like a repercussion of passion. I think when you love something, when you care about something, you start to rip it apart because you care enough about it to see it live. You know, like you want it to, we want to be better. And, and in this particular scenario, when we're talking about scripture, if we love God and we know this is the word of God, and then to move towards what you're saying is like our whole life we've been told this is true, so make sure it is true, make sure what you say is true, make sure, and, and we may be talking about 18, 20, 100 different truths, and to not wrestle with it together or think about it thoroughly would be like a, a huge disservice to not only the scripture, but ourselves and our, and, our, and our tribe, you know, so. Yeah, I think you said something very important. It's a discredit to scripture to not see it for what it was intended to be. To try and make it something it was never intended to be is to devalue scripture. And I think that's what had I experienced in some of the things that you're mentioning, right? It's just I have to make this all factual and fit into my modern concept, which is really a modernity of how we interpret things. And then when you come across those things, well, well that doesn't make sense, you know? And, and again, I, I'm, I don't want to just like, okay, well, look at this contradiction, look at this contradiction, more than I, I want to say that it's not so much about contradiction, it's about what was trying to be communicated, right? And, and so that's the point, because I'm not here to try and tear things down, just say, see, I told you so. Um, I, one of the questions that Brian posed, because we asked each other 
some questions. We'll probably jump all over here with these things. But one of them is he said, do you feel any scenarios where deconstruction is dangerous? And my response is yes. When it is there to just tear down and not to have the idea of rebuilding, it's dangerous. If I'm here to just try and decredit what you're thinking so that I can feel better that I'm you know, right and that you're wrong, I don't think that's helpful. And it's easy to do, especially if you've been wounded, like I know some of us have been, uh, by church. It's easy to just want to discredit. It's easy to just want to deconstruct, to destroy and bring things down. But I don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's good to have that kind of thing in sight. If, If I'm just trying to tear down and prove them wrong, then what am I contributing? Right, And so I, I think that's an unhealthy mindset in those things. Um, with this idea of, you know, wrestling with things, trying to see things better, were there anything specific with you guys that led you, like aha moments that said, okay, I need to rethink some things, or maybe my view has stopped me from thinking the way I should, been blinding me to some things. Were there any things that stood out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't tell this story very often because it's, it's uncomfortable for me, <laughs> but it's also because it's super crazy. But um, Can I pause right there? The fact that you feel it's uncomfortable and super crazy and are hesitant to share it is one of the things that I'm pushing against, right? Yeah. Well, there is a place where you can't say that here. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why not? It's my experience. At least let's talk about it. So those are the kinds of things that to me are really important. You don't know what I'm going to say, though. <laughs> 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 oh, you're rolling. No, yeah. Change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam knows. We've talked about this before. But um, I, I was, you know, was musicianing on a tour with a Catholic artist, as a matter of fact. And, um, and you know, he's a longtime friend of mine, and we, you know, he would always, he'd call me and be like, hey, man, I'm talking to my friend about this scripture, but I don't know where it is. You know, can you, and he'd kind of paraphrase, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Romans 8. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was that guy. And, I, and now I hate myself for being that guy. <laughs> but he, but he, like, he wanted a Bible reference, and he knew he could call me and ask. And we went on tour, and it was just I, there were three or four of us, depending on the time of the tour, in a in a bus, and you know, <laughs> we had some crazy experiences. But a lot of it was just conversations and things that I never knew as a Catholic. I was telling Brian at some point, like, it's all beautiful. I just didn't know it when I was eighteen because it, it just didn't make sense to me. Anyways, going forward, we stayed at this place on an Indian reservation for two nights, and. Um, I was at the height. I was leading a church at this time. I was doing all the stuff. I was in in the word constantly, and it came out of me so arrogantly sometimes, and I, that I hate talking about it. But like this woman, this Indian woman would be, and she's in, she's probably more American than Indian, but whatever. So we were on the reservation, and she had her beliefs that were very entrenched and and uh, worked out well. And we would talk often about our faith. And I found, like, she would share stuff with me, and I kept finding myself going, oh, the Bible says that. And I started to annoy myself after, like, the fifth time I said it. Oh, the Bible says that, too. The Bible says that. And there was just so many things that this woman who had never opened a Bible 
was speaking to me and I was understanding it from my framework. And I just started, like, you know, I remember when I left, when we left, she, she blessed us by beating us with an eagle feather <laughs> and prayed over us. And I was just like, this is the like, most surreal moment <laughs> I'm getting hit with an eagle feather and prayed over. And I felt God move. And it didn't work with what, anything that I believed about what I'd been taught. But I left there wrecked because I, I had to now like open my little theology box and, um, and look. And that's really the beginning of all this for me. Like mm-hmm. if God's moving outside of what I thought he could, and that didn't make any sense according to what I'd been taught or what I had believed. So that was the beginning of it for me. Mine was no eagle feathers, but it's like really similar. I also was raised in the Catholic Church, and I, my priest and I were very close, and he sent me to like a seminary school in Ohio to see if I wanted to become a priest. So it was really cool. Like I was like on this, whatever you want, God, and I'll go, you know, and I already considered my future as like a priest and not being able to get married and these things, and I was all in, you know. I was like, well, let's go. And then I remember sharing a room with – um. Uh, this guy named John, and it was his room, and he set his bed up in the closet, right, so I can sleep on his bed for the for the time I was there. And I was like, you really don't have to do that. Like, I'll sleep on the floor. It's not a big deal. And this is his, like, way of telling me, like, this is my sacrifice for the week. And John was this uh, brain, you know, like, I've to this point hadn't met anybody that was willing to, like, intellectually talk about God or the scripture. And I was raised in a church that was very, like, this is what you do. This is what it is. And I accepted it. This is how I was raised. And I think a lot of us were raised like that. So when me and John started having some deeper conversation, he was like, it doesn't even sound like you're, you're, you're a Catholic, you know, um, based on what you're saying. And I, and I go, that's crazy because I'm, I'm here to become a priest potentially. And, I'm, and I don't know. And, and I was like, well, so what are you saying? And he goes, well, this is so he was either there to like deepen my relationship as with God as a Catholic or completely like turn me away from what my 18 years of being a Catholic was at that point. So, uh, and that week was the catalyst of like me being able to be like, were well, you really like allowing me to do this with you? And it was like the most, one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced because it was like, he was not there to like tell me what, what I was doing was wrong. It was like where you are with God is, uh, is a moment and a season and you should dissect it. And what it seems like your, your path is, is wrong because it'd be, he was like, he was essentially like, explore that before you go do this for the rest of your life. You know, like it's a bad idea. You know, he's like, I am where I want to be, where I'm called to be. You, you not so much, you know? And that's what he was telling me. And I was like, wow. Okay. So came back to the, my, my my church, my home church, my past, my priest is like, are you ready to become a priest? And I was like, I don't even know if I'm Catholic anymore. John said I'm not Catholic, <laughs> and uh, and that started a whole like like uh, opening of scripture, visiting different churches. I was going to mosques and Baptist churches, and I was part of a, a Pentecostal church and um, singing at these different places that you know. And I was still connecting with God, and I was finding God in these different places. And I was like, why? I thought the only place I could experience God was at my church, essentially. Um, but I would say if there was a catalyst or a, a moment in time that switched. How about you? For me, there is definitely a time. I mean, I wasn't involved in the Catholic Church. I grew up in a fundamentalist evangelical scenario, and that was my framework. But similar to you guys, I had a way of how God was working and had to work. 
And I remember um, I had been reading something. I read an article that talked about Jesus reaching people who were, you know, on the margins and outside. And I was working at a church. I was an assistant pastor. I was a worship leader as well. Uh, And I was at the church probably six days a week and devoting my life to being there and bringing about just this experience that I'd been a part of. And there was like a light bulb that went off in my head that said, you know, you really look nothing like Jesus. You're in a building six days a week. You're not talking, you have no friends who are outside of Christian friends. You are really isolated from all the things that Jesus was a part of. And I remember thinking this, and then Sunday morning, uh, one of the Sunday mornings, the pastor mentioned that the Western Christian school down here had, uh, you know, kicked a a child out of the school because her parents were lesbians. And I remember thinking, oh my God, how could they do something like that? They are the closest represent, they're in a place where this child has the opportunity to experience Jesus and this is how they're experiencing Jesus by out kicking him out. And I remember at that point, it was just like, something is wrong here. This doesn't look like the Jesus I've been learning about. And so it just sparked me to start thinking of how do I, I think you'd mentioned, bring these worlds together because they're not fitting, right? And that was kind of the start of some things that just brought me into more studying and reading those things. Um, In the journey... There was a lot of apprehension with me because I had been entrenched. And for me, too, in some ways, this was my livelihood, right? So if I strayed too far, I could lose my job, right? And so I was cautious and a little bit fearful. Was that your experience in any of those things? Was fear a part of the change that was... Yeah, I mean, like like what Brian said earlier, too, like, uh, I'll use the word deconstruction just because I feel like that's a, it's, it's a commonality, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's the right word or the best word, but, like, people know what you're talking about. Um, but that, for me, it, it didn't just start, at, you know, on the Indian Reservation. It started a long time before that because there was, there were little things, like just corrections you make as you go. I, I want to... Uh, I went to a Pentecostal Bible college, but I was reformed in my theology. So it was like very, very different on both sides of the, of the fence, right? And I learned I had great teachers that were, um, you know, that got me <laughs> at the college. But there was also those who were, you know, very, like for me, like just out there and I had a hard time connecting with. But all of those experiences, and, and not just in faith, but in you know philosophy and like the way you live, right? You you go through life and you go, well, that that stopped working, or that didn't work, or that didn't that's not going well for me. So I'm going to change my trajectory and find like, okay, uh, this works. I feel like in my faith life, it's similar. Like I I was I like I grew up Catholic. I had uh, you know prayed the rosary, all that stuff, and then at some point I was like, I don't know that that is uh 
you know, this is not, for me, this is not in the scripture. Why am I doing this? I want to kind of adjust how I'm, uh, how I'm approaching God. And so I changed. And then that changed and that changed and that changed. Every time I'd read the scriptures, I'd be like, maybe I'm not doing this right. And, and kind of what you said, like, you start to go, I mean, this is, the Bible looks a lot different than, like, most Christians I know. And so why, why is that? And that's, you know, you're so, I feel like I'm, I've, been, I've been on this path for a long time, and I don't know when it stops, but you just kind of go, I, I want this connection to keep being strong, keep going, and all this other stuff uh, is either hindering me or it's not, and I need to figure that out. So the fear part of it is the unknown? Yeah, I was, and certainly in the beginning, uh, I was leading a small church, so you, you can't. You can't go up there and be like, well, yeah, guys, you know, that whole thing I taught last, you know. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's like, am I right? You know what I mean? There's a yeah. fear of, of like, am, is, am I right this time? Because, you know what I mean? Like, uh, when you're used to standing on certainty and suddenly you're not, it's scary. Your other, your other questions that you had led more into that. I think you should dig more into that. Like, am I right this time? Is there an end? I think that's one of your questions that you wrote us, right? Is there like a yeah. stopping point and clarity? Um, oh, and to answer your question, there's no fear on my end. I was lucky yes. to to be cruising through this with people who could care less about my journey and faith journey. So it was really, and it was to say that, not that I didn't have people who invested in me. It was like that, the whole bunch of Johns in my life, a whole bunch of you who were like, dig, you know, explore. And, and it, it was a very free um, experience for me, so. That's great. Yeah. Randy did ask a question is it can be exhausting, right? Changing, changing, reevaluating, you know, just recalculating over and over again. Um, and do I feel like the questioning will ever stop? Um, and the answer is no. <laughs> um, but it's not a no with dread. Uh, and I think what caused that is you mentioned, you know, when you're standing on what you feel is certain, there's a comfort level there. Okay, I don't have to worry. I've got all my ducks in a row. Everything's good, right? It's like, you know, we're preparing for my daughter's baby shower and we've got everything set up the way we, it should be. And then, you know, the wind comes and we've got canopies and you got to think, okay, we got to make sure the canopies don't blow away, you know, and it's disconcerting, those kinds of things, but they're necessary. And I think the same thing is true where I, I think... And if I ever get to a place where certainty is there, then how small is the God that I'm now believing in, where I'm certain of a God who I, I am trying to imagine and grasp? And so I think, as I've said before, God is a mystery that we can endlessly understand. There is the pursuit that keeps us moving forward, that keeps us re-evaluating, that keeps us kind of moving into it as opposed to just the destination that we arrive. Where before it was, the destination was heaven, right? We're certain here that this is what God wants us to do, and then we die, and then we get more. Where I think now is I'm always trying to understand more of who God is, and the destination is still God. It's still leaning into, it's still pursuing after, it's still abiding with. All those things are there. And I don't think I'll ever come to a place where I'm just like, yeah, I got it all figured out, I'm content. Um, but I think I can be content with the inquisitioning of finding out more and for, 
Inquisition. I don't know if that was the right word. Inquisitioning sounded bad. Um, but the inquisitive, that's the right. Inquisition was something else. Um, I, I think that I'm content to always be inquisiting about that, if that makes sense. It, it makes sense. I feel like there's probably, um, maybe that is the hardest part for a lot of people because we all want to feel secure and certain and right about what we believe. Mm -hmm. And so when you come to the place when you're like, you know, uh, we might not have all the answers mm -hmm. and people are like, but I want someone that has all the answers. I want, I, I have a lot of questions. And, and so journeying, you know, I'm just saying like a lot of people go through deconstruction in isolation. A lot of people start questioning things that they're learning uh, in church or on their own or whatever, and then they, the next step is, well, nobody here would understand these questions, and so I'm going to go, I'm going to go to my bedroom and try to figure this out by myself, and um, and then and that's also like the the dangerous part of this, right? Because, like you said in the beginning, these the scriptures are meant for us to go through as a community. They were written that way. They were written as letters to communities, New Testament. Um, and they've always been, they've always been interpreted that way. Um, and so when you start going on your own, I, I'm, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm getting to is I'm thankful to have a place in a community where we can ask questions and, um, that's encouraged instead of squashed, you know? I know it's difficult sometimes with that uncertainty to try and present what it is we are about. I, someone called the church and left a voicemail, and I called her back. And it was an older woman, um, and she was new to the area, and she was asking some questions about the church because she, she wants to go to church. She doesn't want it to be a big church. I said, well, we meet that, Mark. Um, <laughs> And then she started asking me questions like, well, do you believe in the Trinity? And she started going into these doctrinal things. And immediately my mind goes into, okay, I, I'm not trying to push people away, but I want to be transparent in what we are. And I was like, yes, I do believe in that. And, and then I just kind of shared with her, you know, we're a community that's probably best to experience than to describe um, I, that's the best way I can put it. You know, we, I think you've got some people who love Jesus, love one another, do these things that I think are important. Uh, some of the doctrinal things that you're presenting, um, I don't know if we you would, you know, meet all those lines, but I, I think you could experience these things and see if we're a community that fits for you or not. Um, that was the best way I could do it. Because I, I wasn't there to try and win her over and say, yes, you need to come to our church. Um, there was a couple that came to Genesis, this was a number of years ago when we were at the school still, and they came for like three weeks. And 
uh, or maybe more, I think it was more than that. And the husband came up to me and said, man, we love this church. We love the people here and you know, blah, and they were going on and he's just like, this is our place. This is our home. And then he mentioned, you know, this other place, you know, we went to, they had a woman pastor and I was like, hmm, um, well, you know, and then I just kind of leaned into this conversation about, well, you know, there was a woman who was an apostle and these things, and then we never saw him again, right? It was like, that was it. And, and part of me was like, I, if I would have just shut up, I just kept quiet, he would have stayed here, but eventually this is gonna come out, right? Where this is, again, going back to the Bible and our understanding is where people draw the line and how you interpret the Bible. You know, if you don't interpret this way, then I cannot, you know, be a part of this. And, and that's where I think, this idea of deconstruction has been most important is that I don't think there's any group of people that agree in how the Bible is interpreted, right? That, I mean, yeah, there might be a church that all agree at this, but how many denominations are there? There's thousands, right? If the Bible was that clear, why would there be thousands of different churches with different understandings of the Bible, now, either the Bible is not clear or we are not looking at the Bible clearly. That's what I feel is happening. And so, well, let me throw it out to you guys. What are your thoughts on, on that? So you don't believe in the Trinity? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I do, no, but it's I'm just deep. Kidding. No, I understand what you're saying. I, man, it's a lot. And I think... What's really cool is, I think, when Sam and I just got back from Ireland and there was a, a, a lot of conversation around deconstruction, and one of the things that were mentioned were like, what, if we're not careful, we could turn deconstruction into a religion. You know, we could, so I'm going to play devil's advocate from where I think our view is and say, then we got to be super careful to turn into a deconstruction church, you know, like where there's rules of how you should deconstruct and how um, what you're allowed and how far you can go, and then they create these rules, right? And and I think it's, um, and I I don't know, Beth, I had you in mind, so that was, I'm <laughs> speaking with your spirit. I, I think um, I I find myself a little too, you know on the hippie side of this and so i like there are people that bring me back and 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 that's what it the beauty of it i think is you know like we're like there is still um the holiness of it all there's like a, a sanctity and there's like a spirit um a holy spirit of god that we're that we're responding to while we're doing this that if we're doing it completely off of um i think even just even linear scripture just reading it without like inviting the spirit the spirit of God into our conversations, then then we kind of we might get stuck on the intellectual of it all, um, and that that's my warning to myself, and and then I hope you know to to all of us that we're like while we're in this phase we're like all right well where's the where the spirit in this where is our spirit and where are we leading because it's a really easy thing to. Um, I was having a conversation with a gal yesterday from my old church, and they just sent out a. 10,000 email blast um, saying we're letting go of these two worship leaders who have been serving here for 20 years because they were acting in 
unholy ways. And this is went out to everybody, right? Mind you, I'm not going to tell you what church it is and their names, but it was like, why did they do this? Why did they, why did they send a 10,000 uh, email blast, people email blast and let people know other people's business in the church and then let go, you know, there's plenty to talk about, but at the end of the day, it's like we could take a situation just like that in every room and say, what's the best way um, to go about this? And I think that's another way to talk about deconstruction. It's like, what, is the, what, is a, what does God look like? What does Jesus look like in this scenario? How do we love people like the scripture describes? That's enough deconstruct. That's, that could be a really good start because we're taking pretty large concepts already and dissecting Genesis in, in new ways that people maybe never understood it and comparing it to, you know, the exile. And you know, it's, that's huge. But there's also like this like little thing where like, how do we, what can we deconstruct in our own community inside of how we're treating each other and how we're giving in our own house? Like, are we cleaning our room before we change the world kind of thing? You know, like what, what's smaller look like? Where do we invite God into it? So I don't know if that answered anything, but I was kind of jumping to yeah. it along. No, that was good. I think that's good because I, I think we can get lost in the, the big things and not get into how does this practically show up, you know, which is what I was trying to convey to this woman on the phone is you really got to experience us um, to know us. I, I can't give you a, here's a doctrinal thing that tells us, tells you who we are. Um, I've been a part of churches and know so many churches that had all this doctrinal things set out, but then who they were was in contrast to a lot of those things, you know? And so you really have to have a living experience of that, and that's going to show most what you believe, right, in in the area of your faith. Kind of getting back to the Bible, because, I mean, I've been doing a lot of, quote, deconstructing in my teaching, and it wasn't like, here, I'm going to deconstruct. It's just that looking at things differently when I went through the Sermon on the Mount recently, going through Genesis... In a lot of people's views, that's going to be deconstructing, right? Because what I'm doing is just changing the foundation that they had. So maybe what we have to do to to get to a place where there is the openness to not become a deconstruction, you know, list, yeah, or you know, become a place where we can't hear new ideas and be growing from them is have a, a more accurate, I feel, and clear understanding of Scripture itself. Um, And I think, I mean, for me, there's three things that I look at, and I've gotten this from Pete Enns. Um, One is it's ancient, right? If we don't see Scripture as being ancient and having that culture, we're going to miss it. I was talking to Rick prior uh, to this. You know, Calvin, John Calvin, one of the reformers, agreed that a person should be put to death because of his views on infant baptism. Think about that. Think of how that fits in our culture. Hopefully there are no reformed churches that agree with that still. But that was only, what, 400-something years ago? And that was a viewpoint. Some of Martin Luther's uh, writings on the Jews living in Germany If they didn't convert to Christianity, their business should be taken away and they should be kicked out of the country. Okay? Not too long ago, there was a view that said this is normal. That's only 400 years ago. What happens now when we're looking 2,000 years ago? How much of the culture are we not understanding? So if we don't recognize Scripture as being ancient and all that comes involved with that, there's a lot of 
potential to miss things, okay? It's also ambiguous, and I know people have a hard time with that. Okay, there's, there's something with the ancient that goes with the ambiguous. There's a verse in the New Testament, why do you, bapti- why do you uh, baptize people for the dead if the dead be not raised? Anybody? Class, class, anyone want to answer that? Right? I don't know anyone who wants to answer that question because no one knows what the heck Paul's talking about. Right? There's those kinds of things that are in the scripture. Or, you know, when uh, Jacob, I think it was, sent goats and he put, you know, certain kinds of food for the goats to eat so that they'd have stripes. Anybody? It's like, there's, what is that doing in the Bible? I mean, there's so many things that are there. I could go into other ones that are a little weirder. But the whole point is there's these kinds of things and it comes along with it being ancient. And it's diverse. You've got people writing from different times, different cultures, different places in life. You have poetry, right? You have things that are more historical. You have things that are satire. You have parables. It's diverse. And if we keep this in mind as we're looking at it, then we can move maybe away from some of the problems that we've created in how we read and how we interpret scripture. Just understanding it's ancient, it's diverse, and it's a little ambiguous sometimes. And that's been helpful to me as I'm looking at it to not get stuck in a certain mindset of this is how it is, to realize, man, I, I'm, I'm still groping for a lot of these things to understand it, but I can't to a certain degree. And then let me throw this question out, you guys, and then what I want to do is open it up here before we go off uh, or after we go offline. How do you then view a, a book that is ancient, diverse, maybe ambiguous as something that, well, how do you look at that now with the idea of inerrancy, with the idea of inspiration, what is your thoughts on that? Easy one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when I, when I, and this has been true for a long time, but um, maybe more now than ever, when I am reading a passage of scripture, there's always some questions that I try to ask myself, right? So um, when was it written? And what was happening in their world when it was written? And why was it written? So who was it written to? And, and what are the questions that we're trying to be answered? So that's, that's a lot already because those are, you have to start digging in and, and going like what, what was happening and why was this important? And before I grab this verse and make it my life verse, am I sure that it was, you know, not completely out of context? Because I've had to change that a few times too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, just just being able to ask some serious questions, but also, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, both Brian and I talked about deconstruction. We both we both taught from the New Testament. We taught from the teachings of Jesus. I I think we both did, and so uh, there there is at some level for me like this kind of going back to keeping Jesus the center, and um, you know, we talked about when we talk about deconstructing. I, I guess what's uh, what's been the hard thing for me is like you know literally just kind of going through with like a sledgehammer and knocking down walls because that this doesn't make sense you know what I mean and then 
I guess I guess for me it was just kind of going and like you said, there's not a right way or wrong way, but there's probably a safer way than just knocking stuff down and then dealing with the rubble. And so I wish that I had started as I you know I learned systematic theology, but you don't learn desystematic theology. You know what I mean? There there are pieces in the puzzle as you're learning about who God is, and all the pieces of you know all the parts of theology that you learn, like I wish that I maybe went through that and started with, with some of those building blocks rather than just kind of knocking stuff over and, and dealing with that mess later, because I've told you guys, you know, this might be way TMI, but like when I, when I, when I have done this in my life, when I've come to a place where I'm like, well, this, you know, this doesn't make sense. And I, and I have to change the way I think about it. Sometimes I do that, I'll knock it down, and then I'll move on to something else and something else. And then before long, I'm like, well, what do I believe about that? I never, I never went back and, you know, did the work. And so when I was talking about deconstruction, Rick was like, you know, I'm an engineer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked Rick because I was just knocking stuff over, you know, support beams and all. And, um, and so, yeah, I think... I feel like I probably could have done that better. And and there's maybe no right or wrong way, but there I think there's safer ways to, to think about to think about it. How about you? How do you view scripture right now in your place? I think I I touched a little bit on it during my talk where I was talking about dealing with something that is alive compared to something that was dead. Mm-hmm. I did watch my talk over again, and I was weirded out by how fast I was talking, so maybe it got <laughs> blown over. But the gist of what I wanted to say was, if we believe that the scripture is alive, um, wouldn't we deal with something that's someone or something that's alive different than we would deal with something that or someone that's dead? You know, and I compared um, talking about or dealing with my dead grandmother compared to how I deal with my alive mom. And if we think about scripture as living. Um, how would I interact with something that's living? How would I um, respond to something that's living? So if I'm, when I'm, I do run it through filters, like Randy said, um, is it true? What's the historical context? Who was speaking? What were they believing at that time? But also, um, what is God speaking to me at this moment? Um, is that true? Is it a reflection of God? Is it a reflection of love? Um, love is typically a very uh, good. Uh, compass for me even though it's a very large concept it's like at least what i my little brain can conceptualize is what i'm understanding pointing towards love or is it pointing towards oppression or separate you know what what, what word am i looking for Division. division um so that's how i'm looking at it right now so i think it's yeah a little bit more like how can i if if i if i'm taking the concept of that every uh, that deconstruction for me has been a repercussion of my love for God in the scripture, then I have to see, like, that's, it's natural. Deconstruction has to happen. It, it's not, it's like, it's had, it's the natural outcome of the way I love, you know, like, if I love Alex, I love my wife, I have to learn to to make sure I love her properly, not the fir- not the same way I loved her when I met her. You know what I mean? That'd be weird, you know, because I loved her different than, and I love the scripture different today than I did when I was 18 years old. And my relationship with God's different. You know, I think that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. 
you know, all, all this um, is to try and maybe help some people who are like wondering what is all this about? What is this talk about? Um, if, if you haven't been a part of this conversation, it can seem very foreign. And we're trying to bring it to a place of understanding as best that we can. Uh, because I don't want to, to just blow over things and then not be able to address maybe questions that people have. You know, I, I believe that something can be inspired, I, like Scripture. I believe it's inspired by God, and yet I can, I can still see that there's areas where maybe it wasn't historically accurate, right? But it's still inspiring someone towards the area of God. Inspiration can happen without something being historical, right? I'm inspired by music. I'm inspired by things. And so uh, inspiration is an important thing for me in the understanding of Scripture. And I look at Scripture, and it is inspiring for me, even though I am wrestling with it the way I am. Um, and even if I'm disagreeing with some of the things, right? I hope we don't all agree with the way they treated slaves back in the Old Testament, right? Uh, um, and it's okay to wrestle with that and still be inspired. I think those things can go together. Um, and so for those who are watching, who aren't here to be with us as we continue, maybe a little conversation and question, I hope this brings some understanding of what we're talking about when we say deconstruction, or as I go through the scripture and challenge the way we've been reading to the way I think it's more accurately interpreted. Hopefully those challenges aren't just throwing you for a loop without wanting to engage in it further, because that's been the whole desire for that. Okay, And so what we're going to do now is we're going to shut the camera off. We're going to say goodbye to all our friends on YouTube and on the podcast. Um, and then I want to open it up for questions here. And the reason we can't do that live is because we don't have a mic for everyone and it would take too long. But we're looking for ways to do that because for me, that's when the heart of this really starts to show is when we have the dialogue afterwards. So for you watching, thank you for joining us. Again, hope you can join us live some point and uh, we're going to try and find ways for more interaction to take place with you guys online. But thank you guys. Love you. God bless you guys. Take care of yourselves and we'll say goodbye. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.